Hey guys, welcome back to this episode of the Darny XC podcast. Today is obviously a special day. It's Mother's Day special. And today I have my favorite woman in the world, my mum, Linda. How are you? I'm fine. Hello, everybody. I really appreciate you doing this, mum. You obviously know you're my favorite woman in the world. It's not much competition. If you're a woman out there and you're hearing this, second place is always going to be the best. Um, you, should, you should feel grateful. Uh, but anyways, this, uh, how would you introduce yourself? Well, it's, it's Mother's Day, isn't it? so I'm going to introduce, introduce myself as Darnell's mum. Okay. And I suppose I'd, I'd like to be like, a, I don't know, I, I think you, there's more to you than just being my mum. If you had to, if you were in a job interview. Oh, God. <laughs> what would you say about yourself? You, you're a very... Mum, you've done a lot. Don't undersell yourself. Okay. Um, I'm of good age. <laughs> Although you wouldn't say that a job interview. Um, I've um, I've worked... Um, I've, I've had a full working life. I've never worked part-time, even though I've got... I've had four children. Very true. Yes. Um, I've more or less brought up my kids. Um, by myself, I think, because um, I'm a divorcee. Um, it's been rough, but um, I still maintain my drive because, and that's motivated me because um, I've, I've gone back and I've studied and I've advanced at work um, and I've stayed with the same employers for 40 years. Um, it sounds boring, but it's a huge employer, and I've had the opportunity to move around and do different things, and actually sort of focus on a, a, a career in, in human resources. And I've spent many years doing um, human resource um, policy development. See, a lot of shit. My mum has been doing this for a while, and she is very well respected by not just me, by her work colleagues and all that stuff. And one of the reasons I respect my mum so much is because. I remember when you decided to go back to school and you decided to get your degree while you're doing a full-time job, while you're looking after us. And I know I was a teenager at the time and I did not make it easy. Did not make it easy at all. That's kids. That's how it works, isn't it? But um, yeah, I, I, I still, I don't know if I ever slept for those years, but I kept going because I knew I was doing it for you and um, your siblings and for all of us. So yeah, that's what kept me going. And we all do appreciate it so much. So now we'll move into, um, so I asked some people what questions they've always wanted to ask their mums, but have never got the chance or have the gall to ask. Um, and I've listed them here and I'm gonna ask my mum for you. So um, some of you ask questions that- Oh God. <laughs> uh, that are definitely uh, gonna throw a wedge in the works, but it should be all in good fun. So mum, who is your favorite child? I haven't got a favorite child. Everybody says that. Every single one of my children are different and they're unique and they bring something different to the table and they have their own personalities and and there's bits of them that I don't like and bits of them that I really like and, and I and I feel so sometimes grateful you know of the mix and, and you know and when I see everybody getting on it's great but then there are occasions when everybody clashes and that's just one of those things but yeah you're just all individuals and you're great so it's me um, so, <laughs> so you, you, you will take you will say that because I've got three girls and one boy and this is my one son my last one so 
your, yeah. your best son, really. Yeah, my best son. <laughs> yeah. There's not much competition there, <laughs> mind you. Okay, here's another one. Is pregnancy as bad as people say it is? Yes. <laughs> it is really awful. It is so awful that the best part is when you're actually starting to go into labour. Because <laughs> you know it's going to end. <laughs> Wait, so, so out of all of us, who was your sort of your worst like pregnancy duration um uh Paige was my worst I think because um I was sick for seven months with Paige and and to the point it was so ill they thought I might have been having twins um because apparently if you have twins you're you're doubly sick um mm. thankfully there's only one Paige and um <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah it, but the, the girls when you when you're having girls you're, it's rough I think it's because all the hormones and stuff it just feels worse and I, I was always prone to being really sick I have to say the easiest pregnancy I had was with Darnell I don't know why her favourite <laughs> I don't know why um, yeah but he was easy I was I was sick for a little bit but the, for, the, for the majority of the, um, the pregnancy I was um, okay and um, I developed a a liking for really hot pepper I don't know why I think I think maybe that was a sign of things to come <laughs> I mean yeah I mean I'm notoriously a spice lord <laughs> yes. every meal will have spice yes. on it that's, yes I don't know if that's learnt behavior to I, be honest because you made my meals even as a four-year-old very spicy um, but I imagine you couldn't really feel the spice so I can't really blame you <laughs> well exactly well you started it all off and then um, yeah, you, I, I, with Don, I mean, with, with all of my children, I have worked up until a week before I've actually given birth. So um, it can't have been that bad. And I wedged myself behind the steering wheel and I drove and I did everything. Um, so, and um, Dana was my easiest birth as well. But I think that's because his dad wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. So... I guess I want to stay on the pregnancy thing for a bit because I'm at an age now where I'm 23 and it's the sort of first year where I'm like, wow, my friends are having kids. Um, so to people who haven't had kids, haven't had pregnancy, if you had to give advice to a newly pregnant mother, what advice would you give her? Well, if newly pregnant, there's not a lot you can do about it. So you just prepare yourself. But you always have to have a plan. If you've not finished doing what you plan to do in life, and you've had you're going to have a baby, then you need to think about a plan because otherwise you'll have the baby and you'll just stagnate, you know. Otherwise, and also you need to sort of keep your aspirations and your ambitions still there on a back burner, but still there in mind, so that when the baby's not as dependent and you can actually go back out there, you you know exactly what it is you want to do. So don't. I see what you're saying. Allow your allow yourself a plan where you aren't losing yourself in it. That's yeah, right. Is what you're yeah, saying is that's that right. you can put things on hold, but you should never completely cancel things no. out because at a certain point, when you stop working towards them, you stop working towards them. It's very hard to get it back. That's and one one thing I can say about you is, um, even though you've full time mother, full time employment, you have never lost yourself. Like you've never lost your sense of self. You have a very strong personality. Um, I think we all have super strong personalities because of, of you, um, to be honest. I think when people say, oh, you're really funny, for the most part, they are saying your mum is really funny because that's where I get most of my humour, where I get most of my sarcasm. 
It's where I get most of my good qualities, to be honest. I'm very, I'm very flattered. But I'm not, you know that you've developed your own because you've gone into different directions than I would have. Oh, uh, that, that's a given. We're very different people. Yeah, right? yeah. In, in, in certain ways, we're very similar. Yeah. I suppose the most comfort, comforting thing about me, about my knowing about my kids, is that I know that you've all got really strong personalities and you've all got this um, level of confidence, which is what you know I really thrive for you lot to achieve I really wanted you to be able to go out there and take care of yourself and do for yourself and I think that you're all going to be okay it's that point where you reach your life and think okay they're all right you know I mean if I was to step out tomorrow I think they will be all right okay well let's not talk about <laughs> stepping out huh? that is uh it's not what the mood, the mood of the day is about, <laughs> okay right? okay another question I wanted to ask um what does it mean to be a black mother in the UK to you Okay, so the the difference between being just a mother and being a black mother, the black mother thing is 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 what um, people use to um, stereotype you, put you in a box, um, judge, um, make assumptions without even knowing you. That's what they see. Um, I'm a I'm a divorcee, so I've been married. Um, but I still, because I don't wear a wedding ring, well, why would I? Um, for years, I was still in that box yeah. um, because I was recognised as a as a lone parent. It was it's it's it's, it's very it's very strange how people feel, but they know everything about you just by your appearance. Yeah, I mean, an another thing that probably goes towards that as well. You don't look your age, and you've never looked your age. Do you know what I mean? You've always looked a, a solid. Like from 30, you pretty much look the same until like, <laughs> you look, you've looked the same for about 20 years, mum. Besides dyeing your hair and all that stuff, you've not really changed. So I, I remember like people treating you like, do you know how old my mum is? Like you're talking to her like she's a, do you know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm not one of your quaps. Yeah, not, not, not <laughs> one of your quaps. Right, I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a big woman, I've, but yeah, that's fine. But, but that you see that works two ways you see so sometimes like um, if people know your age they don't feel they feel um, restricted and limit and they and they sort of like tone down how they, they approach you and how they speak sometimes people speak more freely because they feel more comfortable because they don't know my age if you know what I mean and yeah. here's the plus now um, if I go for a job because even though I work for this huge, huge employer, I have to go for, if I want a job, I can I apply and go for a job. They cannot ask me my age. Yeah. So so it's an advantage if you look um, younger. Yeah. And I know this, but you know. And black doesn't crack, of course. We're all very aware of that. So for, for you, what was your, obviously I'm your first black son. I'm your, I'm your first son. Yes. Um, and because you're black, I don't think you could have, not have a black son, to be honest. Well, this is it. Um, what was your biggest fear, I suppose, when you found out you were going to have a boy um, from the black perspective? Was there anything where you think you worried more about me than you did my sisters? Or was it different things you were worried about? I worried about all of all of my children going out there. Um, but the biggest thing I worried about, because you were a male and you were black, it was the other people's perception of you. Mm. Um, and, I, and I know that... Um, we live in South London and um, and we're up the road from a large town centre where people just hang around and walk on the streets and they don't do anything. And um, it was that thing about um, 
whether or not if you could be in the wrong place sorry <coughs> wrong place at the wrong time and the impact that would have if something happened um, I didn't doubt that you would ever not know how to behave sensibly mm. um, um, my concern was other people and how they would react to you and pull you in with the crowd wow I mean there's definitely certain things I, I took for granted growing up that I now now that I'm older and I people do sort of treat me more like a black guy um, that, that I noticed you were doing to protect me. Like, uh, we don't wear tracksuits out of the house. We wear jeans, you know? And I got used to that, to the point where I feel weird wearing a tracksuit out of the house, you know what I mean? But maybe in the last few years, you know, people have bought me Adidas tracksuits and stuff like that. And when you're walking down the street, people do 100% look at you differently. Um, they. You know, I've got a septum ring. I usually dress pretty weird. So I'm used to getting looks, but it's usually like, well, what's that guy doing? As opposed to who's that guy and what's he doing? Do you know what I mean? So I feel like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that. Like uh, constantly saying like, respect your elders, constantly saying like, if you see trouble, steer clear of it. Constantly saying you are the company you keep and all these things. You just really drove that in. And I think to, for, for the most part, that's a big reason why. And especially seeing you with your friends, because you've had your friends for so long and I've always seen how valuable they are to you. I have always been quite good at sustaining my friendships and I, I count my blessings that from, from the age of 11, most of those friends, that those core friends I made then, are still my closest friends now. They'll be at my wedding, they'll be at my funeral, they'll be at my housewarming and I'm glad I have that. And I think that's that's a big thing that like I feel I feel is missed on a lot of people my age. They don't, um, they don't value friendship. Friendship is just a circumstance of floating through life. Whereas for me, um, from you, friendship has always been something to be valued and respected. And you don't disrespect good friends. And if someone's gonna be there for you, you're there for them. And if they're not gonna be there for you and they're not looking out for your best interest, you should not be wasting your time on that person. Um, I think that's really good advice to, to anyone out there, especially people my age, I, I, especially through this quarantine. Um, I mean, some girls I've dated, some friends, it's it's to the point where they have a new friend group every year. And that is really, I feel like that's gonna get you around those people you don't wanna be around because you're just searching for people. And sometimes the people searching for you are not searching for you for good reasons. They're looking for people who are by themselves, who are lonely. And that's why you like a lot, like, you know, like a lot of, our, lot of my family, a lot of, a lot of the family on my dad's side, um, it, 100% they have new friends every single year the friends get worse and worse and worse and the circumstances of their lives get worse and worse and what they're willing to do gets worse and worse and I think friendship has been that that key value that you gave me that like has enriched my life the most for the most part um yeah like 110% I really I really appreciate that you have to be able to distinguish those people who are friends and who are acquaintances yeah a, because a friend is a very really special title that you give to somebody and you also have to understand that um, people come into your lives different stages in your life and some people are supposed to stay and some people are not supposed to stay and um, and you can drive those relationships and you can decide whether or not in a really nice subtle way whether or not you you um, 
reciprocate with that particular individual so they stay in your life you recognize that they're meant to move on and let them yeah let them move on so they don't they don't they don't bring you down i mean i've i've, I've got friends where i got one friend and i realized that every time i went to see her i left her house i felt like killing myself <laughs> i swear to god i, I could, think i know the friend you're talking and about. i was like oh my god i didn't feel like this when i walked through the door why do i feel like this now and you know what misery loves company and that's a friend where she is a friend she's been there for me i've been there for her but i need to keep her at a distance and only see her certain times and whatever and 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 i control that relationship so it's just a, it's just a learnt thing from from experience yeah okay um another question i want to ask it's obviously international women's month um right after black history month can take a gap why do we get the shorter month 28 days 31 days i suppose women are more people than black people but anyways are you a feminist I'm a feminist. I am. You see, the thing is, I mean, what is a feminist? Female rights. I think that everybody should be treated equally, regardless of race, gender, anything. Okay. Um, but um, I don't feel like I should. Oh, well, my hair's very short anyway. But I should start wearing Doc Martins and going around butchering saying women's rights or whatever. Yeah. That's a stereotype, I suppose. Um, but but I am fiercely independent because I've had to do a lot of things myself and um, I make a lot of decisions myself and I don't have to consult anybody so so I I, I believe that I that should be valued and if I go to a place and I feel that um, they're valuing maybe my male counterpart more than they're valuing me and I'm not being treated fairly um, fairly then then i i'll kick up a stink about it and if that's what you call a feminist then maybe yeah fair well i suppose i suppose i'll say what my view of a feminist is um for, for me for the most part um what i've seen of feminism has been through the internet for the most part um it's been through like there was someone called arnita sarkeesian um and she was a very notorious feminist because she went on about oh, the depictions of women in video games um, and said that they were too sexualized and they were too this and they were too that. Um, and obviously, anyone who has played video games can say, yes, there's female characters who are sexualized and there's a plethora of female characters who aren't. So for me, I don't know why, um, at that age, probably about 14, I was like, why, are, why aren't they focusing on what the, any of the good female characters, you know, like any of the, like when they remade um, Tomb Raider and they made her a much more realistic build, she didn't have triangle boobs anymore. Um, barely anyone spoke about it at all. Um, and I was, I, I found that weird. And that was probably my first interaction with feminism. And then for the most part, it's been, you know, like third wave feminism, like uh, rape culture, which I, I don't know if I agree with, like stuff like that, like because there's certain things that are key tenets um, for like the popular voices of feminism that I don't agree with necessarily, then I can't call myself a feminist because you wouldn't call me a feminist. A feminist wouldn't call me a feminist. Just because I support women and women, you know, I probably 
maybe call it uh, nature or nurture, call it nurture to be honest because I've lived around women my whole lives I probably understand women a bit better than guys um, I'm more comfortable being around them I value them I don't disrespect them I don't treat them badly I treat them as if they were anyone else and I appreciate some of the double, double standards I will not leave a club if my female friend has left the club has not left the club I will not you know what I mean certain things like that that for, for me like are just natural polite things that I've taken from you which for the most part I mean I don't know if because a, a lot of my friends have younger parents you know there is a there is a, a like a 40 year gap between us which most people don't have with their parents so I'm basically being raised by for a lot of my for a lot of my friends the generation that their grandparents are um, so I think there's a lot more traditional teachings and stuff like that I've picked up just on merit of you slightly being a bit more traditional and sort of keeping a lot of these values and I suppose like why, why wouldn't you just outright say you're a feminist does it feel like there's something patronizing about saying you're a feminist or is it feminist is a big word and it means different things to people it's so subjective I mean You've got people like like will focus on things like you said um, characters in a video game. Now I, that to me, that is petty. That's not life changing. That's that's but to them it's really important. Yeah. But but then and then and and then there are people that focus on real inequalities between women and men. Um, the pay gap, for example, which I don't. Even though that's their organisations and employers are accountable now to report. I don't see women ever catching up and and the glass ceiling that exists for women in in large organizations where um, it's not they're very capable women out there and they don't rise up to a certain level that's unfair um, and, and but then you've got these women that think that in order to 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 get past that glass ceiling they need to become manlike um, and and you see those role models out there that demonstrate them like Margaret Thatcher I mean she was so male-like in in a way that she dealt with her like masculine yeah and and um and did you have did she have to be like that um just to be able to to function as a prime minister and and she showed no empathy to to anyone and she, I think she was conforming just because she was in power um, so that's that's that that is an example of somebody who, who who feels they need to conform. I don't feel I need to conform. I think that whatever package I come in, if you pay me to do something, and I'm delivering it just like my male counterparts, then I should be valued equally. Mm. And I think that that's if you call me a feminist for doing that, then then yeah. But when we get onto things like rape, um, the attitude towards rape, but then those women out there that cry rape when they haven't been raped and ruin people's lives. That's wrong. I mean... So I, I think what you're saying is, and I, I guess I'll agree with you a little bit, there's no focus where there's a double standard. So when it's, it, it's, for me, it's equally as important to focus on people who are accusing people of rape as the accused of rape. It should be taken just as serious. Oh yeah. It's, it's a completely separate issue. Fake accusations for me shouldn't be linked to the issue of rape culture or rape or how it's handled in the courtroom a false allegation for me there is abs there's almost no repercussions at all now i appreciate a fake accusation well if it's fake no one's going to go to prison no one's well that's not the main cost now 
That's not the main cost at all. Everyone knows that's not the main cost. All right. Um, take Crystalia. Crystalia. Um, he's a creep. Let's be honest. He's a comedian, very funny comedian, but a creep. He would message someone. They'd be like, he'd be like, how old are you? They'd be like, oh, I'm 17. So he wouldn't message them for 12 months, and then would message them 12 months later, being like, hey, you want to come around? That is a creepy thing. But it is not illegal. But his whole life has been cancelled, pretty much. He got his shows cancelled. He got everything cancelled. He didn't do something illegal. You see what I mean? So, so I'm like, there, there is this. It seems How like old because is this guy? about 37. Right. So okay. he's a creep. He yeah. is 100 percent a creep. But there, for me, there's there's a difference between being a creep and being a rapist. Do you know what I mean? And for me, it seems like there's too much of a grey area when any guy who's a creep is called a racer, a rapist online. Yeah, you see, but then what and you're doing is quantifying the badness that he's doing, right? Because, it, it, because um, you're talking ra uh, rape is an act and it's a really bad act. And if somebody says, I don't want to do it, then they shouldn't do it. So you should, you, there's no respect there whatsoever. In the same way that somebody who's grooming a young person because they think they're so naive and so vulnerable that they're able to do that because they've got that that extra experience and knowledge on them that they can they can get them to do what they want. That is equally as wrong. I mean, I don't. I mean, the sec whenever there's any legislation that's rushed in in in, it's always crappy. And and, yeah. and 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 they rush it in and, and then they, they don't go back and they don't look at what the impact it's having or how to refine it. And that sex register um, is, is a prime ex example. Both yeah. of those people would be on the sex register. And in my view, they would both have earned their position on that sex register because if that person, he groomed that, he groomed, he would have been grooming that, that young girl. He would have been grooming her. Um, I don't know if sending free messages and then not messaging someone for 12 months would be considered grooming. But it, then that wouldn't be considered grooming had he not qualified it by saying to her, come round. Yes, 100%. So then, but, he, but initially, he's the one who asked the age, he's the one who ended the conversation as soon as he found out the age. Oh, he, oh, he didn't know her he, age at he all? He didn't know her age. When he asked her age, yeah. he stops talking to them. Well, that's fine. If he, if he, if but he, then 12 months later, he comes back. Well, no, then, then he knows what he's doing. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. And Instagram, he if you're back? famous and you get Instagram DMs, yeah, or because he, he's a creep, mum. He's a complete creep. But I don't think that's grooming. But but no, but if he if he was in total ignorance of the of her age when he was talking to her, yeah, and he left it for twelve months, right? Unless he didn't intentionally go back to her and didn't yeah. realise it was the same person, okay? But if he did know it was the same person, he was he would he fully understood. Yeah, he age. knew the power display. He knew the power band. Right. He knew the loophole. Yeah. He knew I don't have to work on this to know that when I come back in twelve months, this gal who right. looks up to me is gonna do whatever I say. Calculated. Calculated. That is grooming. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. That is grooming. And yeah. so, so with with all that knowledge, he still went ahead and did it, and he would have kept it under wraps because he knew as well that it would impact on his career. Yeah. Well, when all this stuff came up. He was the one who shared all of the DMs. Right. He shared all of the DMs. And it's usually that the, the, that was one situation. Another situation was a girl messaged him mm. saying, Oh, are you in LA? I'd love to hang out. He goes, Oh, yeah, I'm at the comedy store tonight. Duh, if you want to come through. Then she says, I'm 17, by the way. And he blocks her. 
All right? Right. Completely blocks her. Then, two years later, he messages her. Because she's 19 then. Because she's 19 then. But but in, in America, what's the age of consent is what? To do. What's the age of consent in America? I mean, my, look, I don't, age of consent is 18, all right? I don't care if it's 16 in state. That is really creepy. You know the age of consent in Japan is 14. Like, Jesus. as far as I'm concerned, 18 is the cutoff point. All right? And for me, oh, have you I, ever talked to an 18 year old girl? That's what I was going to say. Oh. I was going to say, what is he going to type in common with this mean. girl? But, but then, I don't know. I don't know. I, you see, the thing is, and then, equally, um, that sex register, you could have, you know, the talk that they gave you at school about being careful about girls and under 16 and all of that. Yeah. You could end up with a, being on that sex register if you get you get caught with somebody, even though you, maybe you could be 16 and she could be 15, and the mother kicks up stink about it when she finds out, and you could be charged, and you could end up on that register just because of that. And I think that that is that is not the same thing. Yeah. That is not the same thing. And that 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 young guy is not should not be considered a sex offender just because the girl is. Is that age? There's yeah. so there's that grey area in between. Specificness of how yeah. the legislation is written. Yeah, it doesn't. So it, doesn't it doesn't allow for grey area. No, and 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 that's that's a life ruined. You see what I mean? So so you know, like I don't know, I don't know. It's 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 a big subject, but certainly um, where people, I'm all for if somebody accuses somebody of doing something that they didn't do, they should equally just like the other person be punished for it because that person's reputation is trashed i mean it's trashed just by just by being accused because yeah. they, they, they 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 um publicize the name of the um perpetrator and they protect the victim but then the victim is the perpetrator so why are you protecting them yeah i mean the thing is you'll you will never know if an accusation is true until it has gone through the legal process so my thing is until then just like in a like okay a, a murder trial all right they won't publish the name usually until they're like, yeah, it's this guy. Do you know what I mean? So like that um, recent piece, that recent police officer who murdered that girl who was walking home from school. And uh, sorry, walking home from her friend's house in Brixton. Um, like they will name and shame him just like they should. But it, my thing is like, it, with the accusation thing is, it gets the same headlines before it gets the same measure of proof. You see what I mean? Like they had, they'd already found body, they'd already found DNA, they'd already found all this stuff before they published this guy's name. If the same was done or a rule was done that there needs to be some concrete evidence beforehand. Mm. But then you get into the thing where sometimes there isn't concrete evidence and they did do it. So it's just this, this, this weird scenario where it's like, I don't feel like we'll ever get to a legislation that everyone can be happy with that will be fully efficient. And I understand why for the thing they have to cast such a wide net because they do need to catch these dangerous people. But in that net, some people do get caught that are not the bigger fish in the issue. But and they are the 16 year old who had a 14 year old girlfriend. And it's, it's, it's a, mm, you know, it's like, it's not right, it's illegal. But is it that the same thing as Somebody someone grooming, grooming someone? Yeah. Should they be put on the same registry? Should there be more than one registry? Should there have, you know, is it, should it be deemed antisocial behavior because you're both used? I mean, 
you can't, you, I don't know, you can't even be charged as an adult, but you can be put on the sex registry list. The thing is as well which, with that sex registry thing, there's this like, a, you, that person is on there for life. Yeah. Um, but there doesn't seem to be like um, periods that they say you're going on the sex register for six months or you're going on sex register till. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. or there doesn't seem to be like a set process to get you off the sex register or appeal being on there in the first place. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, so, so that is a that is a really dodgy thing as well. And imagine how it looks to be to, to imagine how publicly saying I'm appealing being on the sex register. You're you're not going to get any support. You're going to look so guilty. It's like one of those things where mm. the more you try and prove it's not you, the more guilty you're going to mm. seem. Um, but yeah, I feel like we've, we've we've talked on that topic to death. But fair, um, feel like that was important to talk about. But let, let's get back into um, the recent murder because it is the biggest news in the country right now. Um, a police officer, um, an off-duty police officer, basically killed a woman on her way home. Um, completely mangled the body to the point where it took them days to identify her. Dumped her in a very brutal way. Now for me, that's crazy that that could happen. That it could be a police officer that he's doing that, mm. all right? It does make me a bit relieved how quickly they came down on him. Not quick enough. Um, there needs to be more of a review process of police officers. There needs to be psychological evaluations. There needs to be, there needs to be more. You, you, the peacekeepers cannot be- The perpetrators. The perpetrators. Right, so that police officer. Yeah. That you question, should he still have been operating as a police officer when obviously two not. days before, two days before, he was done for indecently exposing himself. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. And the day that he met this woman walking through the common or wherever it is he picked her up, um, he had just finished working. He'd just come off duty. Should he have been on duty? No. Should he have had a job still? Exactly. Should he no. have not been suspended? Would that not have been reasonable grounds to suspend him? Well, here's my thing. Anything that is reasonable grounds to arrest a normal citizen should be reasonable grounds to arrest a police officer. Indecent exposure is an arrest. If if as a justifiable arrest. If I if I am a police officer, so it's swept under the rug. At the very least, right? He should have been suspended. At the very least, but you, you, you and I both know that's just because we're hoping they they would have done at least something. Really, even a suspension would not have been enough. But I'm he sorry. would have known any other job. If you if you got caught doing indecently exposing yourself, you would be fired. Well, but any as, other job. Yeah, but as a, even you, at you have to go through the process. If I'm in the back cooking burgers and I show someone my knob, I'm getting fired. Yeah, but I'm saying to you, but in the in the HR world, you can't just do that. What you have to do is you have to first of all you suspend them and get them out of the situation and then because you have to protect all the other workers and then you take your, your steps to to um, fire them for gross misconduct but there's a right. process you have to go through otherwise it comes back and it bites you so right. so it's not as easy to just say you know you, just, you know, oh, okay I, I get what you're yeah, saying yeah so you have to do it properly but with him yeah. if maybe if they had suspended him and said to him you know do it or whatever he would have known that they were on his radar. Yeah. And maybe if that's the case, he probably might not have been out there looking for a vulnerable young woman to kill. You don't know. Yeah. It you might don't have know. stopped the escalation. Yes. It yes. might have not. It might not have, it might but have it not. might have. But yeah. see, but it now, would have been something. but now 
there's a blame culture where you blame him because what kind of lunatic does that? What kind of sick mind does something like that? Yeah. And then you blame the, the body of people that are supposed to be protecting us because one of their own had shown signs of deviating from the norm yeah. and they didn't do anything about it. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. so now the blame is shared, quite well, rightly. There, there's, there is a third person to blame. All men. All men? Yeah, 100%. Men making the streets unsafe for women to walk. Not the craziest 1% of men, not the most broken, dishevelled top 5% who most women who are being harassed experience. It is usually one man creating these horrible experiences for multiple women. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. What? Well, no, no, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, men in general, it's one man, it's one man that did this, right? This is yeah. not the norm. He's sick. He's sick, okay? That one man can't take taint all men, right? There's a responsibility from the police and the local authorities, okay? Maybe the place wasn't lit enough, so she, she was exposed to him. Yeah. Maybe um, there wasn't enough um, CC camera, CCTV cameras or police patrol in the area so she so, to make her safer because yeah. that's what they're there for. Let's, let's, that's what they're there for, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say it is a good idea to walk through a common at nine o'clock at night by yourself on a phone when you're not make, take, um, taking away your focus from the environment around you. I'm not saying that is a good idea. And I'm but not, it is something but, you should feel comfortable in doing and safe to do. Yes, you should feel, but 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 you should feel comfortable and safe to do that, right? You should do. You should feel comfortable to go out there and walk the streets at night, and nobody don't trouble you, right? But then you also, in the back of your mind, I think your safety is also your responsibility as an individual. So if you're going to walk through the common, be alert. If you're going to walk through the common, walk through places that are lit. Yes, you shouldn't say to the victim, all right, then you shouldn't have done that. And that's why you're dead. No, that's not that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's a responsibility and it stretches across police, environment, council and the individual because of the times that we're living in. Well, here's 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 the issue, Mum. I, I understand what you're saying and I don't think it's a deplorable thing to say. Some people out there do think it's a deplorable thing to say. Yeah. They would say, don't te teach your sons not to do this. Don't teach women not to do that. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And there, there is the earnest on, it is, instead of focusing on this guy being an obviously 1%, a 1%er as far as crazy, murderous intent goes, as whether man, woman, at people in the world, he's a one percenter mm. who should not be used as a rule to represent men. No. Um, he is a man, you see. Mm. And at the end of the day, that she could have taken all of those precautions and still been and killed, still have been over, still been killed, yeah. still been overpowered yeah. by a man who is a police officer who supposed to be a protector, supposed to be a protector, and I'm sure he would have known how to carry himself. To have not looked like a he probably was still in uniform. You see, yeah, exactly. You He's probably I mean? in uniform. Probably still in uniform. Exactly. So I, I personally think in this situation, there's nothing she could have done. But the response at target at the men has been a bit wild. And I would like to show you a clip, um, and this is the 
Green Party. This is the Green Party. This is a Green Party peer, and this is what she had to say as a suggestion um, for how we should handle uh, legislation after this. And in the week that the woman Sarah Everard. Uh, was abducted and we suppose killed because remains have been found in a woodland in Kent. I would argue that at the next opportunity for any bill that's appropriate, I might actually put in an amendment to create a curfew for men on the streets after 6pm, which I feel would make women a lot safer and discrimination of all kinds would be lessened. But women once convicted, um, their chances of successful appeal are extremely slim. Society's understanding of domestic abuse has come such a long way, even in the last few years, and yet a jury is forced to apply outdated ideas of self-defense, such as responding to a threat of imminent harm, which have no relation to the realities of domestic abuse. Now, the government has said that they aren't persuaded on the issue, but we'll monitor the use of existing defences and keep under review the need for any statutory change. I simply don't believe that is true. It is not appropriate for the sort of crimes that we're talking about. Okay, so for me, before you comment, because I can see you laughing, um, for, for me, I just, first of all, what does domestic abuse have to do with that murder how is keeping men in from 6 p.m going to help reduce domestic abuse when we know when things went into corona times um domestic abuse skyrocketed really there needs to be more to actually protect women in those situations and help get them out of those situations but the whole i, un I understand what she's saying where there is not enough preventative tactics or techniques in place at all to protect women, it is only when something's already happened, a horrible event, that the police will show up or take it seriously. That isn't okay. Really, there should be investigations more thoroughly done on disturbances, on antisocial behaviour, on how a child is doing in school. There are so many signs of domestic abuse that they completely ignore, and I don't understand how making a curfew on men after 6pm is going to make anyone safer. I don't understand how you think that a man who is willing to do that isn't willing to leave his house at 6 p.m. You're not stopping the worst, you're keeping the good people inside. The people you're saying should have the responsibility of looking out for women, protecting them, and the ones who are probably most likely to do so will be the most likely to respect and follow a curfew. Right, this woman sounds like she's nuts I'm sorry <laughs> I don't, there's no I, I, her, first of all um, if they didn't introduce a curfew for um, the lockdown why would they introduce a curfew that was way more extreme for this reason it's not even realistic um, I, I I read about uh, um, we're talking about domestic domestic abuse domestic abuse is on here and what that guy did is on the other side okay there's two completely different things don't forget we're in a lockdown right so this poor girl right went up there and uh, under normal circumstances i bet there would have been a lot more people around and a lot less likelihood of what happened to her happening to her because because there's nobody around that time the, the roads are even more um 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 
there's no one on the road. It's even more dangerous. Yeah. Less police. Less police, less people, less traffic. Everybody's at home. We're in a lockdown. Okay? So, so, so you have to take into consideration what is going on in the environment and, uh, when this happened to her. She, she did her walk at the worst possible time. <laughs> I mean, Do you know what I mean? I, I, I get, I get it. I, I will, I will say one thing. Um, and just to provide some context. Um, we have had family in Brixton our whole lives. We have had multiple times in Brixton. I remember being a kid and my dad saying, do not walk on that grass. There are needles there. Brixton is a notoriously dangerous place, even when you have family there. Even when you're an intimidating black male, Brixton is a very dangerous place. I have almost never walked through a park at night in Brixton, mainly because I feel so terrified for my life honestly so when we say like these things it's because of our personal relationship with Brixton it is not that we expect this woman to know this context or know these things and it, or even just just it, it, we're not even trying to justify that she should have done them we're just saying it, in, in our circumstances and yeah. from what we know of the history of Brixton and what we've seen our family go through in Brixton um, for the most part it has always been a place that even when we drive through we have been very cautious to lock our doors and not really look anyone in the eyes and um, Brixton's definitely shifted in the last few years it's become a lot more gentrified and it's had a lot more people migrating to live there of higher wealth brackets but unfortunately the people who can't move out are those people of lower wealth brackets who are usually the most dangerous people now this circumstance makes it, it doesn't really help the situation because the last thing you'd expect is a police officer doing this so a lot of those suggestions for this situation they don't pan out no they don't but pan out but for me I know 100% when I meet people in Brixton, or I, I mean, I've, I'm, I've met up for a few dates in Brixton, and I keep very close to whoever I'm with if they do not know the area. Yeah. I make sure because of my fears about the area. So I just want people to know we're not trying to demonise this woman for any of her decisions. It's just we know Brixton as a notoriously dangerous area. The world knows Brixton as a notoriously dangerous area. So coming from this side of things, we almost think, wow, what, how could anyone even think to do that? No, because uh, we wouldn't, I, I, I don't know, you say it's notoriously dangerous and it, 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 I'm sure there's, there's areas of Brixton that is um, not very savoury, but I would say that um, it, it's, it's an area that I would, um, I would walk. I don't walk through Brixton or walk parts of Brixton because I feel, in, I personally, as an individual, feel vulnerable, and um, and and I, it's not something that I would do. And I certainly wouldn't be walking through a common at night because I would feel vulnerable. It's just about that's just me as a person. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying she shouldn't have done it. I'm not saying whatever. I'm just saying that because we're in lockdown, she was even more vulnerable because there's nobody yeah. around. And um, and and then you then you the fact that it was a policeman. And he's probably wearing his uniform. She probably felt safe. Do you know what I mean? She probably he probably offered her a lift. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, you don't know. You don't know the circumstances, so it's hard to speculate. On the side of the domestic violence thing, I don't understand why you would you would think that it to um, keep somebody men locked up indoors um, at six o'clock is going to help domestic violence. It probably drive them nuts. Do you know what I mean? And as you said domestic violence has escalated i i read this thing um this um thing that the home office was doing i think it was home office or was it a, a charity and here lies the problem whenever anybody does anything to support and help women in or men in domestic violence situations um it always has to be a charity why 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 isn't it the home office um funding it why does this 
um, organisations like Women's Aid and that not be solely fo funded by the government because they've identified a problem? Why does it have to be a charity thing that somebody says, this is enough, I'm going to do something about it? That There lies the problem. Um, I know the police have changed um, the way they do things over the years and I think I think it would be unfair to say that they don't recognise domestic violence more than they have done in the past because they will now um, take away that that um, responsibility to prosecute so say like women um, or men um, who, who, who are in that situation sometimes they feel so intimidated they don't feel that they can actually go through with the court case and the police will take over that from them and they will they'll say look there's a case to answer here we will prosecute the person and and, and, and I think that that is really a good move forward um, but what you have to do is you, I saw this thing where um, this organization um, had a three-pronged um, approach to dealing with domestic violence and they had three different programs one was for the perpetrator one was for the victims and one was for the for kids coming up in school and they had this like um, educational uh, uh, um, initiative where they educated the children and they educated the teachers around them to identify whether or not this child looked as if they were in a situation where there might be domestic abuse happening um, because of the way the child would behave. And children do, they do react to things that are around them like that when they're out of the environment that's causing it. They're very guarded within the, but they become subdued, um, they withdraw. Teachers are the, are the closest people. They, they, they will see the change in the behavior because these are kids that they see on a daily basis. And they're able to identify that if there's an issue at home and they're able to say to this child all right then let's let's talk to you refer them to somebody get them take them to talks put talks in schools so they know that they're not they're not being bad about saying what's going on at home and that's the reason why they're behaving like that and that is good because you need to raise awareness you need to raise awareness particularly for girls and and young men coming up who don't recognize that they're in abusive abusive relationships and they need to get out even at that age there's an education piece there and then they have the thing for the women or the men who are actually in the domestic violence situation you're not you're you know this is what's happening to you especially where it's, where it's psychological and it's not um physical this is why you feel this way, this is happening to you, awareness about that so they recognise the signs that they're actually in a situation that they need to get out of. And then there was the thing about dealing with the perpetrators where they looked at um, why are you doing it, you know, do you realise the impact of what you're doing, um, do you understand how you've got to this place that you feel that the only way you can you can be, have the upper hand in your relationship is to knock ten bells out of somebody. Do you understand why you're doing it? Do you understand the impact? And that's what we need to see. That's what we need to see. We need to educate people because it's not just dealing with the issue when it happens. It's also dealing with preventing the issue from happening in the first place. And we don't look at it like that. People, that, the, the, the powers that be don't look at it like that, like that. And it's only charities out there that look at it like that. And it's wrong because that should be a responsibility of the government to deal with it, not just prosecute people when it happens. Stop it coming up. Set aspiration targets to make sure you wipe it out or you reduce it greatly, because I don't think you'll ever wipe out domestic violence. But you can reduce it and you can make people feel safe and you can make people feel protected and you can give people an avenue that they can escape to. Why can't they do that? Yeah, I, I, I want to agree. There's not enough... Uh, they oversimplify the situation 
and they don't give it the time it needs and because they're not willing to look at the grey area and they just want to spread a wide net, catch you they can, spend as little money as possible, they are they missed so many people fall through the cracks. Yeah. So many people never speak about it. So many people have had domestic violence in their lives, their whole lives and think it's normal. Think it's it's normal that they're dad and domestic violence doesn't look like someone just a man punching a woman in the face. It can be emotional abuse. It can be just physical imposingness. It can be someone shouting you down or someone completely taking control of your life and your assets. These are all different sides of domestic abuse, but for some reason, unless you've got bruises or cuts, they will do nothing about it. So for me, um, that Green Party peer, she's completely missed the point. She's not helping anyone. It's not helpful to make extreme suggestions for law changes because you've had an emotional response to a very bleak and dark story, in the end, it's gonna always be better to take a step back, not look at these things personal, and think about what the actual best means to create a safe environment will be, as opposed to the best response to when something goes wrong. Um, I, think we'll, I think we'll leave that one there. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, Sarah Everand, Everard. Um, so, so sad to hear what happened to you. Now, next question. Um, we'll get into some fun. We'll do a fun question now. Um, did you ever partake in party drugs slash lifestyle um, when you were younger? And if so, what was your wildest night that you can remember? First of all, I never paid part in drugs, partaking drugs. Okay, that was never my thing, and I've never actually. I, my children don't believe this. I've never actually smoked weed. I've never. Uh, I defy the person that come forward and say they saw me with a spliff in my hand. Okay. But you know what a spliff is. Yeah, because <laughs> because you you were married to a Jamaican. Uh, uh, no, not so much. My brother. My, I, I grew up with a Rastafarian. Yes. Very, very very many Rastas around us. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Okay, so aside from drugs, so that, um, but what was your wildest night? My wildest remember? night. I, that's see, that's where it's really sad. You see, I can't imagine a wild night. I I will say that um, uh, I didn't really. I mean, I went out. I mean, I, I had a social life um, after I had my first daughter because I was because I I I I, I worked in an environment and I. And I had a social group and we used to go out um, and that was great but it, it wasn't wild we went out it wasn't wild and then I had my children and I and 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 if I didn't have anywhere anyone to look after my kids then I, I stayed home so so I suppose I would think you you would describe me as a, a late bloomer fair, fair. and so so I, I, putting lockdown aside I have a very good social life yeah, one hundred percent. I really I'm sure, do. I'm and sure if, a lot of my friends' parents would be quite jealous. <laughs> and 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 I have a a really good um, social circle um, of friends, and um, and generally we have a good time. But the only time I really really let down my hair is when I go. We used to have. Um, I don't know if we're going to have them again, um, but um, we had um, weekenders that we'd go out. We'd go to. Um, where, where were we going to? It's uh, oh, South, is it Southport or near Liverpool? What's the name of the place? Southport, I think it's called. And um, we've, we've been there a few years. 
um, on a regular basis every April we all descend on the on what is the Pontins um, holiday camp and we have a, 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 a 72 hours of raving yeah and I have, generally um, I don't have to drive and, and and generally I have a very good time and um, and then and then um, the week later this is what we've been doing for a few years we jump on a plane and we go to St Lucia for two weeks and we do exactly the same thing um, <laughs> and it's great um, and uh, I suppose again I, I don't have to uh, I don't have to drive I don't I'm away from my family or my normal home environment and, and, and I have a jolly good time we, we, we rave we go out we drink we have a good time so um, and then that's for the rest of the year it's just Back normal, to, back to normal. normal. But I think everybody needs an outlet, and I and I and I brought my children up, and they can't say that I I left them with Tom, Dick, and Harry, and went out and whatever, because I never did that. No, um, never. Um, but but I but I am making up for the my lack of social life there now, I suppose. But yeah, I do have a really good social life, and I have I, in addition to that, I have I have regular activities that I, that 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 I that I I've um, that I do. Um, I go to the gym three, three, four times a week. Um, before lockdown, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I, I mean, I have a really. I, I've, what I've done is I've, I've, I've made a social. I've made interests and I've made stuff for myself. I've created a, yeah, an environment so where, you, yeah. I, I think I, I get what you're saying. Whereas, um, you you had kids quite early on in life, yeah. And although you would enjoy yourself there was a limit you had to put on because you were always worried about us yeah. and I feel like once I turned like 16 you finally got to start enjoying yourself again and focusing on yourself again and you started going to the gym and you started you know meeting up with your friends and, and actually enjoying your social life and knowing that you didn't have to be home in a rush and that we would be fine and I suppose that brings me into my, my next question um, which I was going to say to the end, but I, I think this is, I think this is a good time for it. Um, are there, are there, were there any dreams that you put on hold for us? Um, you, you already said that you, you limited your social time, and I mean, Mum, like I could have never done that with like for like the amount of responsibility you took up after um, like Dad left is is crazy it's actually wild um and i've always what i've always uh, i've always um, sorry i've always been that oh, i've always been super grateful because i've always appreciated that we have been your we have been your only focus for so long so if there's for me, one of my dreams is to help you achieve any dreams you put on hold for us as soon as I am able to. That's my way of doing that. So, what is there anything you've you've always wanted to do? And this is my pledge that no matter what, I will help you achieve that. I can't even say that they have because because I I had a plan and I I I, I always believe in having a plan okay and so years ago I set a plan that when I got to 30 I would buy my own home and um, and the way things were going I knew I would have to do that as an independent 
and um, as a first time buyer I bought a house big enough for me and my family okay and um, and I and I and even though it's not a palace it is our home okay and um, so I met that aspiration I, I wish that I was able to progress further in my in my career um, but uh, I work in the system. downplay how far you've already climbed I know I know and I don't think I've ever met my full potential in terms of how high I could have climbed if you know what I mean yeah so um, so I, I uh, and I've, I've done as much I mean who who goes back to studying with all that at the age that I was and I never really told anybody um, what I was doing in terms of my mum thought I was just doing an evening course mm. and and so when I knew I was coming up for graduation I felt it's so important for me to have my family and my children there to see what I did and um, when I went up to get my degree it was a it was the biggest achievement for me because I had to go through so much I never slept I studied hard and I wouldn't allow myself to fall behind and I want them to see I want you to see what you can achieve when you have so many barriers so many barriers telling you you can't do it I want you to, to I want you to lead by example okay because once I got my degree it wasn't just a piece of paper people say oh you don't need a degree to get on in life you see that piece of paper it gave me so much confidence to sort of say well actually you don't get to speak to me like that I'm a professional I've done this you get to give me the respect I'm due and I think that's helped me to move on so yeah um, career wise I think I could have gone much further had it not been for all the barriers that put up to ahead of me um, in an organization where they don't recognize they, they stereotype you and they put you in a box and they try to I've fought, I've fought very hard to get out of boxes that's all I'm saying so there's that one um, you've not stopped me from doing anything I've done what I've said in the beginning when I said that when you find that you're pregnant and you have aspirations and dreams you just adjust them you adjust them and you look forward and you don't leave them behind none of you have stopped me from doing that I could have gone on exotic holidays I suppose I mean my, some of my siblings have not got any children and they were traveling all over the place and whatever yeah but I but you see I think that what I've got oh my god I'm so rich I'm so rich I had no money but I was so rich because I had my children and I've watched you grow and I've watched you thrive and every time you hit a birthday I look at my kids and I say, God, I feel like my chest is high because of the people that you've become. You can't give me that. The only thing you can give me is to carry on doing what you're doing. And doing it, not doing it for me, doing it for yourself. Because ultimately, ultimately, it's for you. It's for you and it's for your sisters, okay? I have my house. I can go on holiday now. I have a really nice car. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not as sporty as I would like. <laughs> I 
it's got a kick in it. And I, I, and so I have my house, I have my car, I have my life, I have my friends. And, and, and when lockdown comes down, I can have my odd holiday and not be bankrupt. And anything else on top of that is a bonus. But I just really, my whole life has been for you lot. Even though I now I, I can take time for myself. I'm still there behind you. I'm still there, Donna. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you achieve. It doesn't matter whether you say to me, Mom, actually, this is, this is, I've reached to where I want to go. I don't care. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be content. I just want you to be good individuals and I want you to be able to take care of yourselves. And I have that free spirit, you know what I mean? To be creative and to be the people that you want to be. You know what I mean? And anything on top of that, Donald, is a bonus. Really. Well, um, I really appreciate that, Mum. You know, you know I love you to death. Um, and uh, I'm never going to stop trying to repay you for everything. You don't have to repay me for I nothing. I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do. But no, that is my life, girl. And I've, you, you've always been my biggest role model. And I don't think that's ever going to change. And I, I really appreciate you doing this podcast with me. And I really appreciate anyone else listening. And do you know what? Like, we all have a mum, innit? We all have a mum. Some of us have a mum and a dad. And a lot of us, you, you never, you never have these conversations. You never ask these questions. And it's valuable, man. It really is. And um, I would recommend anyone out there, especially on Mother's Day, find out about your mum. You know. Um, Ask your mum how she's doing. Ask your mum what she wants to do next week. Um, start with the little things and it will really help your relationship get a lot closer. And yeah, just have a great day, guys. Thank you for listening. We um, never did Parasite. Oh, we never did Parasite. Do you want to do it? Yeah, I want to do Parasite. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So uh, another thing I wanted to do is um, me and my mum recently watched uh, Parasite which I'd seen once before, but I just found her description of the movie hilarious. So, um, any spoilers, um, spoiler alert, I guess. But yeah, mum, Parasite, what would, uh, how would you describe it? Oh my God. What would you give it out of 10 first? Oh, 11. Easily. Easily, <laughs> easily a 10 out of 10 movie. Yeah, definitely. Every scene is perfect. Oh my God. So my son said to me now, he says, mum, we're going to have a movie night. So I said to him, choose this film, yeah? I don't watch horror films because I like to sleep. And he said, oh, we're going to watch Parasite. So I thought it was about insects. <laughs> yeah. But, and also, and also, it's got subtitles, so it's Korean. Yeah. And then, so you start off with this family. And I thought, oh, yeah, the insects are coming. Because no disrespect to the family they were well dirty weren't they yeah like they are <laughs> the they, they're they, living in the slums yeah they're living in a horrible environment and I expected the insects but actually as the film went on you saw these these personalities coming out and um, how enterprising they were and how they were able to look at every single opportunity they got and just like make sure every single decision is for the family yeah everything is about bolstering the family everything yeah. is like oh you need a driver dad like <laughs> it's what well, the thing is though the thing is though um when it starts they've got no wi-fi and it's and they're like it's the norm isn't it to get all their wi-fi cut off 
And so yeah. you see them going on the house trying to get Wi-Fi, stealing somebody else's, and then the, then the wife turns around to the husband, she goes, we have no Wi-Fi, it's been cut off. What is your plan? <laughs> <laughs> really sarky. And I thought, oh my and God. He doesn't, he doesn't even look up, he just keeps folding the boxes. He doesn't even yeah. look up. And they're they folding the pizza boxes. But what, but what it showed, right, was like how, even though in that situation, how they picked up as a collective on opportunities like um and so they they they, it turns out at the end that they are the parasites the family the the family is a parasite are the parasite and how they exploit things and how they go up and how they come down and the fact that like uh like one of the best lines in the film is if you have son the best plan is no plan because if you make plans nothing works out and it shows you like even though they get to a point where they feel like they have full control over everything going on in their lives they have no control at all and they're just slaves to circumstance slaves to emotions slaves to floods to disasters things that are completely out of their control and even in spite of that after everything the priority of the sun is still the family yeah after they've lost everything after the f- they realize they can't control everything they realize all they can do is work towards something yeah and what does that reinforce you have to have a plan yeah you have to have a plan <laughs> you have to have a plan you have to have a plan because when they had when remember the girl was saying dad what is the plan b and he had no plan yeah <laughs> and they were doing really well up until then and then when things started to go wrong there was no plan b no contingencies in place and then it all went right back down again right back down yeah so you have to have a plan so yeah I I thoroughly recommend it and if you can't see because my vision ain't that great just watch it on a big telly yeah I mean increase the subtitle size if you can and try your best but honestly there's a reason this movie won an Oscar Um, and it's do you know what Korean movies for the most part have such a high standard of directing and acting and if you like Parasite, you should go and watch The Wailing. You should go watch The Two Sisters. You should go watch um, Old Boy. There are all of these great Korean movies that are as just a high standard, at just a high standard, that did not get recognized by the Western market until this movie came out. And I think that is a sin. So I'm probably gonna watch another one of these movies with my mum, and now that I know she likes them, but Korean movies, Koreans out there, you guys are cool, man. <laughs> yeah, make great music, make great mu- movies, make great food. What what don't you do? Make great fashion, make great phones. <laughs> yeah, like you guys are gonna, killing it. This gonna have to be on my bucket list, you know. Korea, Korea's on your bucket list. Yeah, man, definitely. I think yeah, I might go to Korea. Okay, so <laughs> Mother's Day twenty twenty thirty. <laughs> 30. I'll take you to Korea just to check it out you know what I mean yeah man and if, definitely... if I don't you can replay this podcast and be like you promised where's my Korea holiday I don't want to stay in the resort that the Parasite people stayed in yeah because <laughs> that was pretty rough nah, nah we'll, 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 we'll do it in the I want it like the big house like the rich people <laughs> okay well really? that's the movie review section go watch Parasite and then the last thing I wanted to end on was some Am I the Arsehole because people usually like this segment and uh, yeah just see what, see what it says oh that's quite a long one what's this one saying 
Okay. Am I the asshole for not returning my bridesmaid's gifts after the wedding was cancelled? Hello everyone, I'm a 27 year old female. My friend Jessica is a 28 year old female. She was supposed she was supposed to get married over the summer. She asked me and a few of our friends to be her bridesmaids by giving us gift boxes with things for the bachelor bachelorette party, which is going to be a long weekend in Mexico. Three of us are nurses, two are teachers, and we're all vaccinated. The box had sunglasses, a bathing suit, shoes, some jewellery, a water bottle, a tote bag in it, and they were really nice. Well, Jessica's fiancé got a call from her boyfriend, and the wedding was called off. Like Jessica's fiancé got a call from her boyfriend. What? Oh, so Jessica was wait, wait, playing wait. away, because she had a boyfriend while she had a fiancé. We were all just as blindsided <laughs> as he was. We had no idea. Oh, wow. It wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> Jessica, she really sounds like a bitch. Yeah. Um, Jessica recently contacted me to tell me that since the trip isn't happening, she wants the bridesmaids to give the gifts back. I guess some of the girls hadn't taken any of their stuff out of them, so they just gave them back. But I took the stuff out. I used the tote bag and the sunglasses already, and after I had tried on the bathing suit, I cut I cut the tags off. <laughs> um, when I told Jessica that I had assumed this stuff was a gift, so I had already used some of it. She got really mad and said it shouldn't, it should have, I should have saved it for the trip and that I had to reimburse her for the price of it with all the stuff. I was going to do it just to get her off my back. But when, but then I found out when I was hanging out with her ex one day that she wasn't the one who bought the things in the box. He was. So I asked him if he wanted me to reimburse him and he said no. And that it's just a drop in it's just a drop in the bucket of all the money he's down from the wedding and the extra two hundred and seventy-five dollars won't really make a difference. I'm not really worried about losing my friendship with Jessica. I think what she did to her fiance says a lot about her character, but I know her and the maid of honor, her sister, are talking a lot of shit about me in the group chat that I'm stealing from Jessica. Am I the arsehole? Is she an arsehole for not returning the the stuff? Boy, Jessica is a piece of work. Yeah. And um, I would go on to the social media and say, actually, um, I spoke to, um, the bucket didn't really come from Jessica, it came from her fiance, ex-fiance, and he has confirmed to me that he's more than happy for me to keep it. So um, since she didn't put out the expenditure in the first place, um, I don't think I owe her anything. Yeah, and it's your reason the wedding got cancelled. Yeah. It's not like your husband cancelled the wedding. And here's a Your prime... boyfriend <laughs> was like, why are you getting married? Why do you have two people? You can't be in a relationship with two people unless you're polyamorous and I if you're getting married to one person. Exactly. You're not. And I would also say to her that um, actually, I think she owes the boyfriend money yeah, for misleading him and, and all the deception because she... she went on with his wedding plans knowing that there was a third party involved knowing she was being and he's carrying the brunt of the money that was lost I mean a drop in the bucket of all the money he's drowned down yes. from the wedding being cancelled exactly so he sounds like he's paying for most of it he's the one that sounds like he's paid for everything um, it sounds so, like she was using him so for maybe his money. in effect then that does that not mean that she's the one that's stealing I don't know. And actually, if I crossed Jessica off my friends list, I wouldn't feel at a loss at all. Yeah, I mean, once once someone becomes an acquaintance, they're just that. Someone you might pass in the street and not cause an argument with. That's about that's about your relationship yeah. now. 
and, um, I wonder how the other bridesmaids will feel now that they know that she didn't pay for it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: why it's why would you ask for some the money back from something that you didn't pay for when it's your fault yeah. that the wedding's getting cancelled? Yeah, it does say a lot about Jessica, and you're definitely not the arsehole. But uh, let's see, let's see what the comments are saying. Um, not the arsehole. I would tell them you aren't stealing from Jessica. It was a gift from the guy she cheated on. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, would love to see the expression on her face when she hears that. Look at her. Okay. What's this guy saying? Sounds like Jessica is the one trying to steal. Is she giving the gifts or money back to her ex? Or is she returning everything so she can pocket the money? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Because yeah. that ex didn't even know she asked for them back. <laughs> um, that, that, oh wait. That's, that's what it seems. Jessica's being extra shitty. Not the arsehole, just because Jessica is a shitty cheapskate. Okay, I'm not reading that one. Um, trying to scam money from her former bridesmaids, but because a gift is a, but yeah, a gift is a gift. So definitely not the arsehole in that situation. If someone gives you a gift, you don't have to give it back. No. That's how it works. No. The gift's a gift. I don't care how it ended. Even if you're the reason, it ended badly. If you gave that person a gift, you don't get to ask for it back. So simple as. And uh, I think we'll go into this one for the uh, for the final one because I suppose it's a I don't know I suppose I suppose this one is a bit relevant for Mother's Day. Um, am I the arsehole for saying that my kids are not my greatest achievement and that I resent the assumption they are? Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love my kids, but they are not my everything. I had a whole lifetime before. Oh wait, I had a whole lifetime before Elfair. I ran marathons, I climbed mountains, wrote a novel that was published, and did moderately successful and did moderately successful in the two thousands. And have a MFA in creative writing. I think that's some kind of degree. Yeah. Um chatting with some folks in my neighbourhood, we got to talking about our greatest achievements. When it came to me, Tom said, Oh well, we know what your greatest accomplishment is, obviously. You have three beautiful and well-behaved children. I was honestly shocked. I said, no. <laughs> That's not my greatest achievement. He looked just as shocked. And I said, what my greatest achievement is? And then said, and by the way, I resent the assumption that having kids is my greatest achievement. You have kids. Why didn't you say that? <laughs> um, he said, he said how he didn't birth the kids and how that's a miracle of life and all that gag me shit. I just rolled my eyes and said, let's not boil women down to their biological functions, okay? Jen, who has kids, chimed in and said, well, my kids are my greatest achievement. I can't imagine thinking anything else. Tom looked super smug and the others, including other mums, chimed in. All of the mums agreed their kids were their greatest achievements. I kind of stewed about it after that. The woman who chimed in sent me a message asking me if I needed to talk to someone <laughs> and asked if I was depressed because my statement was worrisome. She ended up reaching out to my husband to encourage me to get help. <laughs> because, because it seems I'm unhappy being a mum and that puts my kids at risk. Am I really the arsehole here? for thinking being a mum isn't the be-all and end-all in my life. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll respond to that and then we'll read the edit afterwards. But yeah, what's your what's your first class? Is she the arsehole? No. 
Not at all. No, I she, mean, she's entitled to her opinion, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, for, for me personally, um, there's nothing wrong with your greatest achievement being your kids, but there is something wrong when you're judging someone else's greatest achievement because it's not the same as yours. It's yeah, subjective. For me, yeah. seems like projection. You know, like oh, you don't seem happy being a mother. Why would you assume that? Why would you assume that? She never said that. No. She said her kids aren't the be all and end all. And fair enough, if you ran marathons and climbed mountains and have a published book, that's, that's they're all great. Fair enough. If that was all before you had your kids, do you know what I mean? Like your kids can be one of the proudest achievements of your life. It doesn't have to be what you deem as your greatest achievement by any means. Yeah. Like I don't know, Mum. Are, are your kids your greatest achievement? Yeah. <laughs> fair. No, no, only because only because my kids are um, uh, a motivator, and 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 they and everything it's like a golden thread that works through everything that I do. So like um, everything I do, it's because everything I've done because I had a family. I had to consider my family all the way through on the impact that it would have on my kids. So yeah, the the children will run through everything I do like a thread. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then don't forget the way that's written. It says my greatest achievements are my kids. Everybody can birth kids. Anybody can have a child. Anyone. But it's the difference between having a child and bringing up a child. And she obviously has done that well. But she, in her mind, the other things are bigger challenges. But it could yeah. be that the challenges that she took before prepared her. her to be able to deal with or be able to bring up her kids so she doesn't yeah. think it's that, it's not that great. I mean, what's childbirth compared to climbing a mountain, you know? Something half of the population does versus something only 1% of people exactly. are exactly. going to do. Exactly, exactly. So a marathon, who's going to run 26 miles? Like how many people have a published novel? Exactly. Not many people. So it, it's it's one of those things where it's it's all well and good to be proud of being a mother and all this stuff. And I think... Uh, a big reason why you, you'd say we're your biggest accomplishment is because we're, we're your biggest motivator as well. And because you're, you're sort of, you've now, now I'm, I'm your youngest, I'm now the adult age. You, you've, you're done, like, for, for the most part, like, you've, you've been a successful mother. All of your kids are going to have an all right career and will not starve to death. That is good. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's good. But then there's things that I would be critical about what I what I did, as I did it, and I and I and I I, I wish I had I didn't work so hard. I didn't have to work so hard that I didn't get to spend time with you, as much time with you, and 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 focus on things that you you, you needed to do as a routine, like sitting down with you at night and and helping you with homework and stuff like that, and and putting routines in my house. It was it was chaotic sometimes my life in terms of the things I had to do and whatever. And yeah. let's not forget I had um, I supported your elder sister as well. Yeah. Who had who had four children? So what I was doing was I it was like I was running two families as well. So so um, so I wish I had I devoted more time to 
to the things that you needed. So there's a lot of things that you lot needed that I wasn't able to give you, but just because there wasn't enough time in the 24 you, you, hours. You were spread too thin. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I had to make sure that we had somewhere to live, somewhere that was warm, somewhere that you were fed and that you got the things that you needed. And so and so I worked really hard because that was the only way I could do I mean, I could have been a criminal, I suppose. Well, no, <laughs> I could have gone out there and done things that would bring the money in quicker or whatever. But that's not how I would want my kids to um, see life going forward. And actually, I don't think I would be that good at it. Yeah, I mean, we are habitual rule followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so no, that wasn't the life for me. I mean, it, but and that's another thing. Um, there's a lot of things around that were going on around me, and I could have easily gone into that thing, but I just didn't. It was never an option for me, and I and because of the way. I have conducted my life. I would like to feel that that was a an example for you. But yeah, I, I I I will see um, the the three adults that I have in front of me now as as my greatest achievement because you lot have done so well. Yeah. Um. But maybe again, it sounds like she has delayed having her children, so she yeah, can't see that all, yet. When they're saying well-behaved children, yeah, they're, they're young. They're young. Well, they're young. She's done all that stuff, and now yeah. she's moved on to the kids. So she hasn't seen. Um, what she's done as yet is not when but you... for, for the most part I mean let's, let's be honest she's completely prepared her life that's what I'm saying before she had kids yeah so fair enough I'm pretty sure in 10 20 years we're not going to be your greatest achievement because, because you will your life life moves on you'll yeah. be doing other things it's just the other way around where she did it first yeah but now childhood's like now raising the kids isn't gonna be as it could never be as much of a struggle her husband's still there so even if she hadn't done all of these things it wouldn't have been still of a struggle i get what she's saying for me it it seems it seems weird how judgy they are Mm. about it and to suggest that you need help um, really shows how delusional these mothers are their lives are being mothers and they've lost themselves from the sounds yeah Um, and anyone else who's not like that is kind of breaking the illusion to them that they don't have anything else. Exactly, and I bet you they would sit there and be, look at all the stuff that she's done. I bet if they, they're envious, because yeah, look at what they're it doing. Really, it does sound like they're envious. Yeah. So, so call, call up my husband and tell him I need help. Yeah, man. That's You're a, blocked. That's a cut off, but that's a cut off after I've had a little chat. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Let's have a little chat first, and then that's a cut off. Cheek. Right. What? What's this? Why are people sending me chats instead? Oh wait, wait, don't. Do I'm just getting to know. And no, Arts Goblin, I don't want you to read my posts on your shitty YouTube channel. <laughs> so, I think someone asked to talk about it. Also, this is an angel. My greatest compliment is climbing Kilimanjaro and Denali, and the same, in the same, same summer. summer. Wow. I knocked off the final 14 uh, us of the, oh, so I think 14 is a, like um, 1,400 feet. Okay. So it's a, like a group of mountains in the US. So she's, she's so climbed. She's she's serious. She's climbed like a minimum five mountains. I know. Really? With my husband. So she, climbed, so she climbed all these mountains before her husband, then she climbed all these mountains with her husband. Um, but go off with thinking it's bad to be proud of, <laughs> of having an MFA. Fair, like, yeah, like, that is pretty cool. No, no, she's I, done, what she's done is she delayed motherhood. She did all the stuff that she wanted to do. And now she's gone, she's got to have she's a sister. She's proud of it. Yeah, she's gone to motherhood. And now, 
And now, at the moment, she sees those as her great achievements. But who knows? In twenty years' time, ten years' time, that will change. That yeah, might 100%, change 100%. because, yeah, because her children, children will be growing. Everything that she's put into it will come into fruition, and um, she'll she'll say, "Oh yeah, they, they, you know what I mean." Yeah. Or she might climb some more mountains. Who cares? <laughs> it's it's subjective. It's what she feels like doing. Nobody should judge her. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Let's let's see what uh let's see what some of these people are saying. Um, I once told my co-worker that I might adopt a kid one day. We don't have any kids, and she told me I should have biological kids. I was livid. What if you can't? What if you simply don't want to? I don't really see how that's relevant. Yeah. Um, if Tom thinks children are any woman's greatest achievement, he was also fully expecting for only men to really be a part of the discussion. And Tom is the the dad the, who the initially dad. started the conversation. I think that's true. Why would he... That's true. He's the one who says, we all know what your greatest achievement is. Coming from a guy. Patronising. Very patronising. Very patronising. Tom will get cut off too. Yeah, Tom. All of them are gone. Even their kids. Too bad. They don't get to play with my kids anymore. Your mum's nuts. Yeah. But um, I think that's where we'll uh, leave off today. Because this is... uh, It's going to be a ball late to edit. Uh, (laughs) I do really appreciate you coming on today, mum. And I will reiterate what I said before when I was tearing up. Um, talk to your mums talk to your dads talk to your family specifically your mums because it's Mother's Day and I feel like you know I feel like mums keep a lot in because they, they keep a lot in for the sake of their kids and there's a lot that they a lot of weight they bear just because they don't want you to bear it and you can really ease that load by talking to your parents like they're people and especially if you're like 18, you're an adult now. Speak to your dad as an adult. Speak to your mum as an adult. Try converse with them. Try to understand them. You're not a teenager. You don't get to just scream and shout. Unless you're actually making an active effort to create a better relationship with your parents, you don't get to complain about it. They've been in the world a lot longer than you. They've experienced a lot more than you. And there's reasons for the way they are. And maybe understanding those will bring you closer to them. But anyways, guys, have a happy Mother's Day. Buy your mum some flowers. And... Thank you for listening. Right? Oh, well, do you want me to say something? <laughs> I was going to say, um, oh, God, you know, um, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Because I was, like, mortified when you said this podcasting. I've never done anything like this before. Yeah, so thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I would say to you guys out there, yeah, um, I didn't get, I wasn't growing up in that in that generation where we talked to our parents and you have such an opportunity um, I doubt we're enough anybody would turn around to you and say I don't want to hear it or whatever I, I this lockdown I've really got to know my children not just passing but as as individuals and adults and I relish that and um, I as a parent I, I relish the opportunity to sit down and talk and spend time with my children because I didn't I didn't do enough of that when they were growing up and and I'm gonna make up for it now so thank you guys I appreciate you as much as you're going to appreciate your moms. Love you lots, mom. You too. I love you too, son. Thank you for listening to Darn.exe.